You're listening to the Eastside Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. This sermon was recently preached at our church. We want to encourage you to visit our website at eastsidesf.com. Now, enjoy today's sermon. Matthew chapter 2, and uh, once you find it, uh, we'll make you stand one more time, uh, just out of respect for God's Word this morning, Matthew chapter 2, and it's a good thing I know what I'm preaching, because in my notes I put Matthew chapter 12, so um, that could have caused some confusion. Matthew chapter 2, we'll begin reading in verse 1, and many of you are familiar with this story, this the story of the wise men, and uh, the, the magi, you might call them. And uh, we sang about them this morning in verse, so Matthew chapter 2, verse 1. It says, and, uh, Now when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, there came wise men from the east to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he that is born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and are come to worship him. When Herod the king had heard these things, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. And when he had gathered all the chief priests and scribes of the people together, he demanded of them where Christ should be born. And they said unto him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for thus is, it is written by the prophet. And uh, if you know the, the, the prophecies, we heard some of it on Wednesday night in the book of Micah. Micah the prophet talks about Bethlehem. Um, and says in verse 6, And thou Bethlehem in the land of Judah art not, thou, art not the least among the princes of Judah. For out of thee shall come a governor that shall rule my people Israel. Then Herod, whom he had privily called the wise men, when he had privily called the wise men, inquired of them diligently what time the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem. He's acting interested, by the way, but he's not really interested Uh, For the reasons he says, he says, go and search diligently for the young child. And when ye have found him, bring me word again that I may come and worship him also. His intention is not to worship. His intention is to destroy Jesus because he's threatened by him. Verse 9, when they had heard the king, they departed and lo, the star which they saw in the east went before them till it came and stood over where the young child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. And when they were come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary his mother and fell down and worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented unto him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. And being warned of God in a dream that they should not return to Herod, they departed into their own country another way." And I'm going to stop right there. Most of you, many of you might be familiar with the rest of this story in that the Lord appears to Joseph right after this um, and, and warns him that, that he needs to flee into Egypt because Herod is going to kill all the children under two years uh, in Bethlehem and the surrounding areas. And Herod is going to come after them to destroy them. And uh, he was, the, you know, because he's hearing about this probably for the first time. Somebody comes and, and says, hey, we heard the king of the Jews has been born here. Well, Herod views himself as king of the Jews. And he's threatened by that. And, and he's paranoid about it. So um, he, he sends out a decree to kill all the children under two years old in that area. So Joseph, being warned um, by, by God, by an angel in a dream, takes his family to Egypt 
And they stay in Egypt for a few years until um, Herod dies and they return back uh, to, this, to the area here. But, but today the focus is really just the first part of the chapter. And it's on the wise men, about the wise men and how they came to visit Jesus from hundreds of miles away. I mean, maybe a thousand miles away. If you look at the map um, and, and consider their route from modern day Iran, uh, potentially where they were from, and to Israel, we're just going to guess it's about a thousand miles. They literally, they walked or, or rode camels hundreds of miles to come see Jesus. But there were thousands of people within walking distance that didn't bother. And the title this morning is simply this, Six Miles Away. Six miles away. That's the distance that many of them were from Jesus. And we'll look at that and, and consider that this morning. Let's pray and ask God to help us. Father, I love you. And I pray that you'd help me to, to clearly present this. Help my mind to be focused on what we need to focus on, Lord. And, and that you'd help the message to be uh, powered, empowered by the Holy Spirit. And that you would open our hearts and minds. Lord, there could be distractions this morning. I pray you'd help the, the children to listen to that are in here. And just help us to really engage and that you'd speak to us. We love you and we need you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. So let's imagine um, that I get up. And it's right now it's 11. 11 I'm not going to tell you what time because then you're going to time me. Um, right now it's in the 11s. Okay, I'll just say that. Well, let's say, let's suppose that I get up. And right now I say, okay, I just have an announcement. We just got word on, on Twitter or whatever, whatever social media site there is. I just got word that Jesus Christ himself in bodily form is going to be delivering a speech or speaking over on the campus of the University of Sioux Falls. And he's going to be doing it at noon... And if you don't get over there right away, you will not have a seat. Now, just be honest with me. Um, how many of you would literally just walk out right now and go to the University of Sioux Falls? Um, it's okay. It's okay. Be honest. Raise your hand. You know what? My hand is up too. Because I would be like, okay, in Jesus' name, amen, let's go. I, mean, I, would, I would go over to hear him speak. If it was literally going to happen, I would be there. Now, and, and so... Let's say, though, that you have a Christmas lunch obligation. Many of you probably do. And so you have a lunch obligation, and you've, you've committed to being there. But if Jesus Christ was speaking over the University of Sioux Falls campus, and by the way, I, I, I looked at it on Google Maps. I didn't walk it. I looked at it on Google Maps. It's about six miles from the church. So six miles away, uh, you said, well, you know, okay, yes, if I have a lunch obligation... I'm going to have to call them and say, I cannot be there because I want to go hear Jesus over there. I would do that. Um, now, okay, let me ask you a little harder question. Um, let's say that your car broke down in the parking lot or got stuck in one of those drifts on the north side of the parking lot that are up there right now, and your car wasn't going to move. Let's say that you were going, if you were going to go and get there, you were going to have to walk it on your own. You can't get a ride. How many of you would still consider the opportunity to hear, to hear Jesus Christ in person? How many of you would still consider that to be worth it? I'll bundle up, I'll walk, I'll get there no matter what. How many? Just be honest, okay? I think most of us, um, when many of us would say, I would do whatever it takes. 
uh, six miles. I know that sounds kind of far, but, but I would do whatever it takes to get there because I want to hear him. I want to see him. Six miles wouldn't matter much if it meant you, meant you get to see Jesus. So six miles may sound far, by the way, but if you have an active day at work or you go shopping or you run errands, there are plenty of days that you walk six miles by accident. I mean, just, just on Friday, I, I looked at my watch on Friday. I was running around doing some things, and, and I looked at my watch, and I had right at six miles on Friday. I wasn't trying. I mean, I wouldn't go outside and walk in that on purpose, but I had about six miles. My smartwatch told me that. And if you're in decent shape, you could probably walk six miles in two or three hours if you really were booking it. In the grand scheme of things, six miles isn't all that far. Did you know that six miles is the distance between Jerusalem and Bethlehem? See, we sometimes imagine Israel as being this large country, but from north to south, it's only about 150 miles long, and Bethlehem to Jerusalem is only six miles. Bethlehem's just south of Jerusalem, and there's not even much of an incline. They're about the same elevation. But listen, So even with proximity to Jerusalem, though, Bethlehem was not a blip on anybody's radar. It wasn't even really a big deal to anybody. Historians say it was probably a town of a few hundred people. So when we sing this song, O Little Town of Bethlehem, I mean, literally, it's a few hundred people. That's it. But the reason it's so busy in the story with the story of Jesus Christ being born is because Caesar Augustus had issued a decree that everyone goes to their family's hometown and registers for a census so that they could be taxed. And for many, Bethlehem was, was really just a stopping point, probably on the way to Jerusalem, the much larger city. So the inns and the guest homes there in Bethlehem, the guest rooms, were full of travelers the night of Christ's birth. Where our, our text tells us of a different set of travelers, a unique set of travelers. These guys aren't like the many that are headed to Jerusalem by way of Bethlehem. These guys are headed to Bethlehem by the way of Jerusalem. They just don't really know it yet. They find out, you know, they, well, they do know it, but they come asking, where is he? Because they assume that everybody in Jerusalem is going to be excited about the new king of the Jews being born. And they come around saying, well, where is he? And, 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 and so I'll get, I don't want to get ahead of myself. These guys are magi. They're wise men. They're from the east. And they were philosophers or astronomers. They're stargazers. Some believe that they could have been a remnant of the children of Israel, the exiled Jews that were in Persia before they were brought back to Israel. Some believe that they could have been descendants of those. Um, we don't know if they were Jews or not. What we do know is that Scripture had influenced them. We do know that they were looking for the Messiah. And, and they came to Jerusalem. They came to this area because of a star. And verse 2 talks about a star. They're saying, where is the he that is, that is born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and are come to worship him. Uh, and some believe that this star was the conjunction of, uh, of Jupiter and Saturn in the night sky. Um, others think it was maybe some other um, just phenomenon that went, went on at that time. And we don't know, okay? So you don't know for sure. There are some that say it's a, it's a fulfillment of the prophecy out of Numbers 24 that says there shall come a star out of Jacob and a scepter shall rise out of Israel. But the truth is we don't know. I believe it was a supernatural working of God himself in this moment. Because we find out later that the star reappears and leads them right to where Jesus was. 
And I don't know about you, but stars don't normally do that. So I think God is intervening in a supernatural way. We can't really explain it by astronomy or history. And whatever caused them to follow it, I find it interesting that God would choose to lead them in a medium or through a medium that they understood, stars. Aren't you thankful for that, that, that God, I mean, I know we have the completed revelation of God's word, and he doesn't operate this specifically for us because he's already operated specifically in his word, but we do know that God reveals himself through creation, according to Romans chapter 1. So there's no reason to think that God wouldn't or couldn't do this for these men. God is clearly behind it. By the way, God is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. And sometimes we think that, you know, God has to come down and give me something. I'm just going to wait here. Well, no, you, if you take some steps, who knows what God might do to reveal himself to you in a very clear and special way. I believe because they were looking, God revealed himself to them. And he led them to this place. God is behind it. But that's just, that's just one question. You know, there are a lot of questions about the wise men we could ask. And like, for instance, how did they know this time frame? would fit for them to look for a sign. Well, if you were here on Wednesday, um, Brother Jacob did a great job in giving some prophecies about Jesus Christ's birth. And in the book of Daniel, chapter 9, it records a very clear prophecy of the, of the Messiah who would present himself to be born uh, to the people to be king, and then he would be killed. The timeline in Daniel talks about 70 times 7, uh, 490. They would have understood that to mean uh, 70 sets of seven units, which are, in their minds, that would have under, they would have understood it to be 490 years. So that 490 years time frame um, t talks about uh, the time that, that from their time until the time that the Messiah would be revealed. And it talks about 69 of those weeks, excuse me, 69 of those 70 weeks being the point that Jesus would, would reveal and present himself to the people on Palm Sunday right before his death. We, Brother Jacob explained much of that on Wednesday, so I'm not going to get into a lot of it today. But Daniel's prophecy was based on a very specific date given by the angel Gabriel. Daniel said it would be 483 years to the day based on the Jewish calendar that Jesus would present himself in that way there on Palm Sunday before his crucifixion. And it's interesting, if you think about all of that, that Daniel was in Persia when he wrote that book. He was in the Middle East. He, he, would have, he could have influenced the magi, the wise men that were all around him during his day. And it could be that there in this text, because of his influence, 400 and something years later... It could be that, that Daniel had made an impact and told them about the coming Messiah. And that's why they're looking for this. They, they would have had a rough timeline based on Daniel's prophecies. They would have known up from, based on the book of Micah chapter 5 verse 2 that he would be born in Bethlehem. They would have known based on Numbers chapter 4 that service as a priest begins when you're 30 years old. And they would have known based on 1 Samuel chapter 2 that God promised to raise up a faithful priest. So I believe that they have been looking for this for years. They've been doing the math. They've sought the scriptures. And when a sign appeared in the sky, they were ready to go see Jesus. Just waiting for him. We could spend a lot of time studying that. We could spend time studying these guys and trying to answer other questions. You know, speculative questions. Uh, how many were there? Well, we sang, we three kings. They, there was only three. Well, I'm not sure there were only three. 
I mean, it was probably a caravan. I don't know about you, but if I'm going to travel across the desert, I'd probably feel safer in a large group of people than just, you know, two of my buddies. But I don't know. Who knows? We don't know for sure. Um, that's, a, that's speculation. How far did they come? We don't know for sure. As I said earlier, it could have been a thousand miles or more. Uh, how old was Jesus when they came? Well, there's evidence to, to think that Jesus was not an infant, that he was, he was a young child. He was a, a, at least a few months old. And the fact that, that Herod uh, decided to slay all of those children that were under two maybe gives us a, a, an insight into the timeline here. We're not sure. It's all speculation. And we could spend a lot of time uh, just talking about things that nobody has the answers to. But I'm not a Bible college student anymore. And I'm not going to stay up all night doing that. Okay? That's what we used to do when I was young. Well, today I just want to ask a question that I think is the most pertinent question. It's the one that probably matters the most. It's, that, it's this. Where is everybody else? You think about this. Where's everybody else? There's, a, there's people all, I mean, all around, prominent scholars, priests, scribes. They were in Jerusalem. They had easier access to the books and literature that the Magi did. Where were they? One man said it this way. He said, the Magi knew so little and came so far and gave so much. The teachers of the law knew so much, were so near... And did so little. You know, if someone came to me and said, God's son, the Messiah, he's six miles away. I would drop everything. And I would go see him because I want to see Jesus. I'd love to be around him. I'd love to be in his presence. I hope that I would, no matter what I'm doing, and, and if I get a call and I run out, you know what happened, okay? So, yet consider the responses of, of the people around the Magi. Verse 3 and 4, it says, When Herod the king had heard these things about the, the king of the Jews, he was troubled and all Jerusalem with him. And when he had gathered all the chief priests and scribes of the people together, he demanded of them where Christ should be born. Herod is troubled. He's obviously a paranoid king. And if you know anything about Herod, Herod the Great, then you know that he, he dealt with paranoia his whole reign. He, he literally had his wife and his mother-in-law and his sons killed because he, he, is, he suspected them of disloyalty. That's the kind of guy he, this guy is. And you know that the Jews knew what kind of guy he was. And I'm sure that they were troubled because they probably assumed he was going to res respond or react with extreme measures. And he did. So they're all tr everyone's troubled. Like, what's going on? And, and I'm sure they were troubled for other reasons too. But everyone is troubled. And Herod isn't up on his Jewish prophecy. So he asked the scribes to come and explain what's going on. And, and so he asked the wise men in, uh, you know, in verse 7. He says, okay, we know he's going to be born in Bethlehem. The scribes just told me that. So when you go, if you find him, make sure you come back and tell me. Because I want to worship him too. And he's hiding a sword behind his back. You know, Oh yeah, I want to worship him too. Just come back and tell me. So the wise men, they left. And, and, and I just want to just consider the contrast. The difference between the wise men and Herod to this point. The wise men are saying, we will go to whatever links are necessary to see Jesus. They've already proven it. Herod says, I'll go to whatever links are necessary to stop Jesus. See, that's a bad place to be spiritually, by the way. 
See, there may be some in this room today with hearts that are hardened toward the things of God. And you've come in here today, you've had a bad experience or, or you're just complacent or apathetic. And anytime there's conviction, I mean, you're out. And let me just remind you that Jesus died for Herod and he died for you. And it doesn't matter what you've done and it doesn't matter your experience. Listen, God didn't come to ruin your day or take away your freedom. He actually came to give you freedom from sin. And so to say, I'm going to stop him if he tries to work in my life. No, listen, Jesus Christ working in your life is the best thing you could ever ask for. Don't put an end to his work. Don't stop him from working. You've got Herod stopping him and you've got the wise men seeking him. But the third group of people is the one I want to focus on this morning. These are the ones that are, that are in Jerusalem, the scribes and, Pharisees, and the, the scribes and the priests, I should say. You know, these guys that Herod calls and says, okay, these, these guys are saying that there's a new king of the Jews born. Can you explain this to me? And that's, they give him the prophecy of Bethlehem and, and all that. You know, I'm just thinking about them, though, but we don't hear from them again. You know, they have these prophecies, and not only that, they have somebody coming in saying, we have reason to believe that Jesus, the, the, this, the king of the Jews, has been born, and he's just six miles down the road. If you were a scribe, or you were a priest, or you were a Jew that's been waiting your whole life for the Messiah, don't you think you might take some steps to do something about that? I mean, they had all the prophecies. They had access to God's word. They could have known he, that he was the Messiah if they'd just been reading. They knew he was going to, going to be born in Bethlehem. If they wanted, they could have done the math and come up with a timeline on their own. They were the best and brightest. They were professional students. They read and studied the Old Testament. They wrote it out word by word. Many of them had memorized the first five books of the Bible. And I read this and I'm left scratching my head because the wise men come along saying we think the king of the Jews is here and I'm wondering why did nobody else seem to care about this why didn't they go I mean where is everybody else just contrast the difference between the magi and the Jews the wise men knew so little they came so far and they gave so much the Jews knew so much and they were so close but they did so little it's easy to take for granted what's right in front of your face sometimes, isn't it? Familiarity, they say, breeds contempt. I think familiarity maybe more often breeds apathy. You get so used to it. And you, there are probably things in your life and things in my life. I know this is a weird example, but I was thinking um, about in, in, our, in Stillwater, Oklahoma, where we moved from between the church and my house on a highway there. Um, then in the Hardys and, and Emily, they could tell you about this too. There's a body shop called G&M Body Shop. And, you know, sometimes I think that, you know, men, when we have the opportunity, we really are just children in larger bodies, okay? Because these guys from a body shop, they bought this kit to build a transformer. And when I say kit to build a transformer, I don't mean transformer. You know, the transformer is a robot. And this robot in particular is a robot that turned into um, a big semi-truck. It's Optimus Prime. So they bought this. That's the only man I'm going to get all day. Okay, so they get this kit, but it's not this. They, they start putting this kit together. And one of the guys at the, at the body shop is a longtime member of Bible Baptist Church. And so we know him well. So they get this kit and they start putting this thing together. By the time it's done, Optimus Prime stands 22 feet tall. 
He weighs 5,700 pounds. That's like, that's, that's like grown man Legos right there, okay? They put this thing together, and it's unbelievable. And, and the first few times, I mean, I would drive by it. I would slow down every time. I'm like, that thing's amazing. We stopped, and we got some pictures in front of it. But, you know, after a while of making that drive, I would see that every day. And after a while, you know what? I didn't even see it anymore. And there'd be people that literally would drive hours away, from hours away, and they would come and they would stand in front of the transformer and take pictures, like family pictures. I'm surprised it's not like on some Christmas cards out there, you know, in front of Optimus Prime. And I would drive by, and every time I saw somebody taking their picture, I think, oh yeah, that thing's there. You know how it is. I mean, most people, you couldn't get used, if you saw a 22 uh, foot tall transformer in our church foyer, I mean, you would notice that. But after a while, you wouldn't notice it. Because that's the way that we are. We get used to things that are familiar. And I'm just wondering if the people, they hear, okay, maybe the timeline matches up. Yes, it's in Bethlehem. We heard about the king of the Jews. But I'm wondering if they think, well, it's only six miles away. I could go any time, so I'll just do it some other time. You know, the Jews missed what was right next door. And we don't know how far the wise men came. They might have come 600 miles. Let's just say 600 miles. That would be safe. So the wise men dropped everything to go 600 miles to see Jesus. But the Jews couldn't be bothered to drop anything to go six miles to see Jesus. And I hope you can start to see the application. There are two categories of people. There are those who take advantage of their opportunities to know Jesus. And those who pass on their opportunities. To know Jesus. See the wise men. They did not take Christ for granted. The ones that were six miles away. Took him for granted. You know it's true. That those most familiar with Christ. Are the most likely to take him for granted. We have light. Spiritual light. All the spiritual light we could ask for. Many of us were raised in church. And if not raised in church. We were raised where there was access to church. If we had chosen. We have Bibles everywhere. I mean I was in a store just this week. And it's, in, and it's not even a Christian store. But in the store on the shelf. They were selling Bibles. And I'm, I'm just. I mean it kind of blew my mind. Because on right here there are Bibles. Over here there's clothing that. I wouldn't probably let my daughters wear. It was just a weird contrast, you know, that there, we've got Bibles everywhere. I'm wondering how many Bibles do you have in your home? I mean, I, if I started counting, I wouldn't be able to count because I would forget about a Bible or two. How many churches did you pass on your way to this church this morning? How many Christian friends do you have? Listen, if you're an American... You're only six miles from Jesus. Meaning access couldn't be easier. And yet Americans seem to be the most complacent to a relationship with him. See, Jesus Christ should be a big deal. But most people couldn't care less. And I believe that the ones with the best opportunities to know Jesus will have the most to answer for. Bibles sit on our shelves unread. In many churches, many church parking lots sit mostly empty on Sundays and Wednesdays. Truth is at our fingertips, yet we don't seek it. And many who claim to be Christians haven't given the gospel in so long they can't remember the last time. Yet there are plenty of people in this world 600 miles away who, would, who long for an opportunity 
to hear about Jesus Christ. They would do anything to hear about the Lord. And, and Brother, Brother Ruckman can tell you, and I've seen it in India, if you go somewhere with, a, with tracks in India and you open the window and start handing tracks out, people, at least where we were, they were flocking to the car. They wanted any literature they have. They're 600 miles away, but they're hungry, and we're six miles away, and we're so full that we haven't thought about Jesus in a week because it's Christmas. I mean, just think about that. And I'm not trying to be hard or heavy this morning, but we must be aware of the fact that as, as Christian Americans, as people with access to all kinds of light, all the light we could ever want, we might be the most complacent to his presence. For most of us, Jesus is six miles away, and really, honestly, he's six inches away. He's right in front of our face. He's as close as you want him to be. And yet for many, he, he may as well, we may as well be 600 miles away. I'm going to just apply this to salvation. Folks, we, everybody in this room has an opportunity to be saved. You can be saved this morning. You can know Jesus Christ as your Savior. You can place your faith in him alone as your Savior. He died for the whole world, including you. You're a sinner, yes, but God loves you, and Jesus died for your sins, and he wants you to be saved. And you know why he came? He came so we could have a relationship. He came so that you could be brought closer to him because sin keeps us at arm's length and there's no way we can get closer. But listen, I'm telling you, uh, Jesus Christ came so that you could be saved and have eternal life. And he's right there. I mean, he's in Bethlehem, but you're in Jerusalem. And Jerusalem is full of people who can't be bothered with Jesus. It's almost that he's so close that we think, well, I could, I could get to him anytime. So I'll do it next week. But listen, I'm telling you, you think I can handle this on my own. I don't need help. But, but the Bible says there's a way which seemeth right unto a man and the end thereof are the ways of death. Or you might think I can do this next week. I have time. No, today is the day of salvation. It is appointed unto men once to die, but after this the judgment. You don't want to risk that because you don't know what tomorrow holds. Uh, you might say, well, I think I could figure out my own way. But Jesus said, I am the door. By me, if any, man, if any man enter in, he shall be saved. It is not about what you can come up with. The plan has already been set in place. He already died for your sins. God loves you so much, he wants you to come to Jesus. And there's no reason to wait till tomorrow when you can have salvation today. You can live your whole life in Jerusalem and Bethlehem is in your shadow and never place your faith in Jesus. And I'm telling you, you can go to church your whole life, but if it's not a personal decision, then that's not good enough. It's not close enough. And you can do all the steps and take all the religion, all the religious effort you can. But in my estimation, religion is man's effort to get to God, but, but redemption is God's effort to get to us. Don't assume that religion is good enough. Religion is like staying in Jerusalem and yet he's only six miles away and never taking that trip to go see him. What better gift on Christmas could you give Jesus than to place your faith in him? I'm telling you. I'm telling you, we could do all kinds of things this morning, but if one person would come forward and say, listen, I want to be saved. I want to place my faith in Jesus. We could stop right here and it's been a successful day. If you would just have the courage 
at the invitation to step out and say, I place my faith in Jesus. I want to be saved. I'm telling you, it doesn't matter if you've come from a past that's 600 miles away. You, I mean, God wants you to be as close as you want to be. He came to our level so we could be brought to him. Christian, maybe this is for us. We all have the opportunity to be as close to Jesus as we want. And really, that's our purpose for life. To know him and to be like him, to be conformed into his image. That's why you're here. But you know, it is six miles away. You say, well, you've been saying that's not far. Well, it takes a little effort, right? Meaning that you don't just become like Jesus by osmosis. You don't get to sleep on your Bible at night and wake up like Jesus. No, you have to take some steps. You have to meet God there. And you have to say, I'm willing to give up some sleep so I can walk with God in the mornings. And I'm willing to give up some sleep and time so that I can pray and seek him. And I'm willing to go out and tell people about Jesus. I'm willing to be here on Sunday mornings and, oh, radicalized Sunday nights and Wednesday nights too. You know why? I mean, honestly, it's hard to come to that sometimes. Sundays are, are, I mean, for many people, that's a big day to get things done. Wednesday nights, you may not feel like being at church. But I'm telling you, it's going to take some effort if you want to be like Jesus Christ. It's going to take you deciding on a personal level and in a church setting that you're going to take the steps to grow. And I'm telling you, if that's all it takes, if you think about the difference, let me ask you this. If the wise men were willing to go 600 miles, am I willing to go six? Here's a better question. If Jesus Christ was willing to come from eternity and place himself into the body of a baby in order to know me, am I willing to take a few steps so that I can know him? The best gift you can give today is not sitting under your tree. The best gift you can give today is the decision to know Jesus at any cost. You can do everything else. But if you miss knowing Jesus, you've missed everything. Brother Ruckman mentioned a verse to me on Wednesday after Jacob's message. And I thought it fits so well with this Luke 19.42. On the day that Christ triumphantly entered into Jerusalem. Remember that's the day that was prophesied there in the book of Daniel. The day he entered and the Messiah presented himself to Judah as king. Jesus said this to the Jews on that day. He said, if thou hadst known... Even thou, at least in this thy day, the things which belong unto thy peace. But now they are hid from thine eyes. You know what he was saying? He was saying, you could have read Daniel 9. He's saying, you could have read Zechariah 9, 9 to know that he enters in on, a, on, the, on the back of a donkey and ass there. That you could have read that and you would know. They could have known he was the Messiah. They should have known he was the Messiah. And on that day, they should have received him as king. Instead, though, they set out to destroy him. Christ said, peace is available. And you missed it. It was hidden from your eyes because you refused to see it. And it's not that they couldn't see, folks. It's that they wouldn't see. This morning, Jesus has come so that we can know him. He came so you can know him. That's the reason he came, to make a personal relationship, to, to, to bridge the gap between us and make it possible. And listen, as Americans, 
so many of us are, we're only six miles away. But we might as well be 600. See, the wise men, they knew so little, they came so far and they gave so much. But somebody in this room this morning, you know so much, you were raised with it. You know so much, you're so close. But you've done so little. See, how have you taken for granted how far Jesus came for you? Do you need to receive him this morning? Do you need to use the Christmas story as a reminder that you're 600 miles away right now? It's time to take advantage of the opportunity to know him. I mean, who knows? I just wonder if God's people resist his working long enough. Will he eventually remove the opportunities we have to know him? We have so many Bibles on our shelves that I wonder, and, we, and we're so complacent. And I don't mean us in here, I mean as a culture, so complacent toward it. But I wonder if God might judge America by saying, I want to take all the Bibles out of your hand. And you'll find out then how much you took for granted that you could know the Lord every day. I don't know about you, but I don't want to be one that contributes to God saying, you know, I'm going to remove your opportunities. I want to be known in my life as somebody that God looks at and says, I gave him opportunities and they took full advantage of it. And I'm going to bless him with a relationship and a walk with me that few people will ever have. That's what I want said of me. Don't assume six miles is close enough. Assume that you could be closer if you chose to. And this morning... If you haven't been saved, today's the day to be saved. I know we have unsaved people in here that have never placed their faith in Christ. Today's the day Jesus Christ came to this planet so you could be saved. If you're a Christian, maybe you've grown complacent to the fact that God made himself available. He came all that way so that you could know him. Maybe it's time for us to repent of our complacency toward a God who wants to know us. Let's have every head bowed. Let's, let's stand. Every head bowed, every eye closed. I want to encourage you this morning, if God's spoken to you today, about your proximity to him. Maybe today's the day to submit yourself to, this, to the spirit and say, I know he's working on me. I've been far away and I need to get closer. He's given me every opportunity. And I haven't taken advantage of it. Or maybe this morning you say, I don't think I'm saved. Listen, we have men and women in here who'd love to show you from God's word how you can spend eternity in heaven if you would just simply have the courage to step out. Would you come forward and place your faith in Christ? Today's the day. There's no reason to wait. Christian, today's the day. There's no reason to wait and and put him off again. If you're 600 miles away, why don't you get closer? Heavenly Father, just pray for your work in our midst. Speak to us through this message in Jesus' name. Amen. We want to encourage you to visit our website at eastsidesf.com.